We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Issue 595 of Geek in the City Radio. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I am one of your other hosts, Spinarita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hashitani. <laughs> How's it going, everyone? Uh, it's going great. I got yeah. good news in the email, and I made a really cool craft project today, and I washed my hair. Your craft project looked really cool. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm like super duper excited. Uh, for anyone who's curious what it is, just go check out my Instagram. But which um, is private. Uh, listeners, follow me. Yeah, I'm that's true. Friend. No, no, I, uh, I, I know <laughs> that. I, I'm saying that that people love just, me. Yes, but <laughs> that's me. not always. Uh, it's yours is not a public forum. Um. I think that's true. If it's, if, I mean, like, if you want to follow me, I will approve you. I'm not like, unless I absolutely do not know who you are. And then in which case I probably will think you're a weirdo. Um, Full disclosure, uh, Denise runs many a friend request past me. Like, okay, do we know this person? Are they a creepo? (laughs) If I see that, like, either of you are a mutual follow and I don't know who they are, I will ask. I'll be like, uh, is this, is this someone I, I know or, or would know or you know right um Uh, i think it's a reality of social media that you have to be a lot more careful about who you approve and don't approve than either of the two men that you podcast with need to yes i mean well look i don't really get harassed uh probably because i have rusting bitch face but um i i am very i don't really like or i i uh, I give out a lot of my personal information, like things about my life. So I don't necessarily want total randos to be in on that. Right. Um, and I, I, it's not even like about being a, a woman in, in my particular case. I just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of private. If I, if you don't know me, I don't like, or at least That's I try true. to be. I'm, hyper selective because i get harassment not the way like a woman would i get harassment by people that used to hear me on the radio 18 years ago and still mm-hmm. think they should have a rapport with me um 
Not to say that all radio fans are creepy, and if you're listening to this and we're friends, that means I don't think you're creepy. <laughs> but uh, they're definitely still out there. Right. So it's it's weird. It's weird to like. I don't want to like act or sound like I think I'm some sort of celebrity, but we are. The three of us are on a, on a public platform, and that opens you up to to maybe more people than you really want to be opened up with. Right. Yeah. I just practice. I don't necessarily follow everyone that follows me back. Um, and if you do something like if I look at your profile and I realize who you are, I may just block you. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're a fuckhead. Block. Yeah. You're a fuckhead. No, there are some yeah. listeners that follow me that I, I interact with because they're like, oh, you're conversational. Well, mm-hmm. we can talk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, I know like in, in some of our social circles, there's been like some controversy about blocking people or like restricting people that you are already like in person or even just social media friends with. And that's, you know, that's not against the rules. It's, it's your right to privacy when you're dealing with a public platform. I think people yes. have forgotten what the purpose of of social media is Mm -hmm. and that it is your particular page is your platform where you get to say what you want to say. You can allow or disallow other people to respond to it. Um, You can control the conversation. Um, Right. That also means you have to live with any consequences that go along with that. Oh, for sure. Um, Um, But yeah, that, Social media is what you want it to be, not what everyone else thinks it should be. Right. Yeah. If if in if in real life I you know, I have friend A and I tell friend A any any and everything and I have friend B and I only tell them certain things for whatever reason that might be, that's you know, that's my right as a as an individual and it shouldn't be different in social media, but I think people people start to expect that they, because they follow you, they are, they are, they have the right to any information that you might put there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they I don't. mean, no, they don't, but yeah, I mean, even it's even gotten to where like when I write about a film or a show, I like, like a, I'm not going to write about something I don't like. Cause I don't want to spend the energy for it. I'm not a paid reviewer anymore. There was a time when I got paid to write about anything. If it was bad, I'd write why I thought it was bad. But I'm not getting paid for that shit anymore. And, you know, when I was younger, it was fun to put things on blast if I hated them. But, you know, frankly, that's lazy and easy writing. Mm. So nowadays, I'd rather just highlight and promote stuff that I found was legitimately enjoyable or was important. Um, and when it's it, 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 inevitably, I'll get like the third comment down. Someone will go off on this rant. I just delete it. I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't. I don't need to read your thesis on why you didn't think Mortal Kombat was a fun movie, which we'll get to in a minute or later. Um, I'm like, I just don't care. That, that You know what you want to do on your page or on your page? And I'm not going to say shit. Whatever. And, and that's, I, I think, too, part of the issue is we shouldn't be doing the things the, the way we did them when we were in their 20s and in our 30s and um, because we're different people. Or we should be. If right. we haven't become, if we haven't grown, then we are then we're not us. We're not these three particular people. Oh yeah. I, right. 
I wouldn't want to be friends with the, te- the the me of ten years ago because I was not that great of a person. I don't. I, I have a hard time being friends with myself, like within the past year. So yeah, mm. I get you. That's relatable. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. It's like this thing. I think we were just talking about him a little bit before we went on the show. Um, someone asked, like, some, I don't know what happened, but someone had asked the director, James Gunn, why he only, like, why he always seems to love everything he posts about. He finally just said, like, I'm not going to post about stuff I don't like. He's like, and also, I've been in the film industry for 20 plus years. I know how hard even the shittiest movie you ever saw, how hard it was to make. Like everyone involved, like busted their ass to make the movie that it might be utter trash. He's like, but I'm not going to bash him. I know how hard it is to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, so if I don't like it, you're just not going to hear me say anything. Kevin Smith said the same thing. He's like, if I don't like something, I'm just not going to talk about it. You know, there there are other things to talk about. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, especially for people like that who are in the industry, like those words carry weight and it's, it'd be the equivalent of bashing your coworkers on a public forum. Yeah. It's really you know, that, they, that they can access. It's, it's, it's unnecessary. Like if it's not for you, it's not for you. And even if it was a crappy movie or a show or whatever, it right. still took a lot of work. A lot of people put their heart and soul into that. Yeah. So you except know. maybe for like the people who make the knockoff movies, you know, like Atlantic Rim. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they do have their charm, and you know what? There is still a lot of work that goes into them. They're probably yeah, still they're, they're eighteen-hour days for like. Granted, it's a week and a half shoot, but those are very <laughs> intense. I can't. I mean, they're not good. No, they're not good at all. But you know what? They're keeping Graham Greene employed. So, dude plays the same character in like in the last Asylum, like the last three Asylum movies. Grumpy, soft-spoken um, colonel. They just change the uniform. Air Force, Navy, Arm. They just change it. Depending on where the monster is appearing. <laughs> Ooh, so what are we talking about today? Good question. Um, well, we're definitely talking about the finale to yeah. A Falcon and the Winter Soldier. For sure. Spoiler heavy, so if you have not watched any of it, Pause I mean, podcast, I've, go watch it, come yeah. back, listen to the rest of the podcast. I feel like our show's far enough away from when this one comes out that I feel pretty good. Yeah, we give the warning, but I don't really ever feel bad about spoiling anything. I, I think if we're going to do the same type of review with uh, The Bad Batch, it'll be even better because we can review it a week late. Because it, oh, deb- it, it debuts on Tuesday. <laughs> because next week is May the 4th. And yeah. it debuts on May the 4th. Oh, man. That's cool. Also, mm-hmm. this is completely selfish, but I'm very annoyed that this will now be the second May the 4th that all the breweries in town are going to do wacky Star Wars-themed beers that I can hang out at. It's completely selfish. Yeah, that's fine. But I mean, you, know. you could buy their regular beers. I could, but there was something kind of great, and there was something kind of great about going to the Imperial bottle shop and they had like 12 beers on tap that were all done by local breweries mm-hmm. and they played nothing but star Wars in the TV all day long. And like five first hung out and like, you know, you're, you're drinking the Lando, you're drinking the cloud city IPA with, you know, Boba Fett next to you while you're fucking watching the start, you know, the Christmas special. 
And Boba Fett leans over to me and says, oh, I hated this part. <laughs> you know, I miss that. That's nerdy. Yeah, thing. yeah. But yes, he's got a week on the Bad Batch. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I think, Aaron, you wanted to talk to us about uh, your thoughts on Mortal Kombat, as you yes. just mentioned. I, I have will... a bit of Lego news. So Cool. And I will keep Mortal Kombat spoiler free. I know they oh. both technically came out the same day, but I feel like more people who at least listen to this show were probably really hyper-focused on Falcon and the Winter Soldier and saw that. And Mortal Kombat is one of those things like, eh, I'm going to watch it next weekend with, you know, whatever. I forgot it came out. I was going to watch it. But it yeah. I didn't. The day that it was coming out slipped my mind. And, and so I was like, oh, oh, that's that's out now at, a, at yeah, an I, opportune time. I think I watched it like Sunday morning. I didn't even watch it the day it came out. I was like, oh, I'll get to it this weekend sometime when I have some downtime. Yeah, we, <clears throat> we have already been watching uh, another series of movies over the weekends. Um, like uh, yesterday, not yesterday, Sunday, we watched um, Godzilla King of Monsters. The week before, we watched Kong Skull Island so that we can sit down and watch uh, Godzilla versus Kong this weekend. We did that a couple weeks ago. Nice. What did you think of, uh, before we get into Mortal Kombat, what did you think of King of Monsters? It was not as good as Kong Skull Island. Uh, it took itself a little more seriously, I think. A little, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Except for Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford, I believe, per- gave the performance that was needed for that movie, and everyone else was bringing their A-game. He's like, dude, we're we're humans in a Godzilla movie. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have either of you seen Kong versus Godzilla yet? Mm-mm. Yes. Yep. Okay. It's, it's uh, the only, I mean, My it's, only critique is, and it's, I guess it's not even a critique, a, a real critique. It's just me like being like really like metacritical is I'm like, of course, and it's, I don't think this is going to spoil anything because it becomes pretty clear early on. Of course, Godzilla or um, Kong is is the one that the humans perceive as the hero, or like the I don't know the one who's in the right versus the reptile. Right. Until they find out why Godzilla's freaking out, and then you're like, oh, that's true. But even yeah. then, I think I think the bulk of the movie lies preference on on uh, Kong. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting modern take on why you would do that because humans clearly will identify with another primate versus a reptile. Yeah, or even just a mammal versus a reptile, I, I uh-huh. would argue. And, but like the original Godzilla versus Kong was not that. Like, if you watch it in Japan, Godzilla won. If you watch it in the States, Kong won. (laughs) Right. I had different endings? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because King Kong doesn't win in Japan. Kong is not their monster. Right. That's a a Western monster. Yes, it is. Because he was created in the 30s. Right. I think the first stop motion creation. Mm Mm-hmm. Which man, I rewatched that. That is still impressive for especially I mean, even not even to say even for the era, it's still impressive stop motion. Mm-hmm. Like regardless, it's really impressive. I've never watched it since I was a kid. 
try to hunt down like the unedited and uncut one. Because <laughs> a lot got a lot got cut when it hit theaters, and they've restored it and stuff. Um, interestingly, it kind of humanizes Kong more. The shit that got cut. Mm. So yeah. Um, and man, I tried to get the Peter Jackson one a couple attempts, and it just takes itself a little too seriously for me. I think I'm going <laughs> to skip that one entirely. Yeah. I feel the same way about Dune. I might have already mentioned, but I, I rewatched Dune recently because I read the book. Mm. And then I watched all of the scenes that were edited out, you know, to make it the David Lynch cut. Right. And I'm like, so basically you didn't want this movie to make sense or, or have like emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So should I jump into Mortal Kombat? Because I feel like yeah. the tech... The text box is going a little crazy back and forth. Oh, right. The text box. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> I mean, there's not a whole lot you need to the plot. You know, um, was it Outworld has won nine out of 10 Mortal Kombats. If they win the 10th one, they get to invade the Earth realm and everything is fucked. Um, so now instead of them just picking fighters, you're born with that dragon that you know of every Mortal Kombat game. It's born on you. It's It's a birthmark on you. If you have it, you're part of, you are destined to be someone who may one day partake in Mortal Kombat. Um, The one thing I will say right off the bat, the first half of the movie is better than the second half. Hmm. Um, Maybe part of it is because for as much as it's, you know, basically just a fight movie, the first half has some pretty decent character development. Like you kind of know why everyone's there at least the quote hero side. The villains, there's not a whole lot to them. They're, you know, Shang Tsung and his crew are, you know, they're just shitty. Except for, uh, and this was actually available for free the first seven minutes. The connection between who becomes Sub-Zero and Scorpion is um, is real tight. Like, you find out why they don't like each other, and it goes back to a clan feud like that goes back like generations because it opens in what looks to be like Edo period, Japan, maybe a little bit further back. And it suggested that these two clans have hated each other way longer than that. Um, So much so that they bounce back. It's not really explained. And I kind of did some meta thinking their feud goes so far back that they bounce between Chinese and Japanese. The impression being that they were both from China hundreds of years ago, both fled because of their own war to live in Japan. And when they face each other, their language swaps back and forth. Mm. And they directly say like speaking Chinese, speaking Japanese. Um, when the guy who plays Scorpion, um, when he's speaking to his family, he only speaks Japanese. But when the guy who plays Sub-Zero shows up, or who becomes Sub-Zero, they will bounce back and forth. It's It's... And I know that kind of goes to the Mortal Kombat lore and it requires someone to know, know more about the game franchise than the average listener, watcher. If you're just watching it because you want to watch a fight movie, you're like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Those two <laughs> cultures are not at all alike at all. Um, but it's still, it's a good setup. I always um, kind of pictured uh, those two characters being somewhat akin to Wolverine and Sabretooth. Yeah. They're brothers, right? Even though they're enemies now. Wolverine Sabretooth? I don't remember. Um, that depends I, on. Depends I feel on like that. that's a conceit of the Wolverine Origins movie. Is that in the movie? Yes. 
It's all right. That movie is garbage. It's garbage. So, you know, the the the, the big chunk of this movie is all the setup for the actual tournament. And there's a moment when I hit pause to see how much time was left. And I was like, are we going to actually get to the tournament in this movie? Oh my. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. Um, the fight scenes are, are fantastic. Like the, the fights are, are fucking amazing. Um, very well choreographed, very well shot. Um, the man who plays Sub-Zero is the actor uh, Joe Tauslam. And if you recognize him, he's from The Raid. He's the lead actor from mm. The Raid. And there was actually a behind-the-scenes short on HBO Max you can watch, and they talk about filming his scenes. That actor is so fast, they had to ask him to slow down because the camera and the other performers could not physically keep up with his movement. They're like, you Uh have to slow down. You're a blur in the camera at regular speed, and the actors just can't keep up with your cues. They just can't. You know, and he's like, okay, I'll slow down. So the fight scenes are... I say they're actually 90% practical. There's very little, except for the fight with Goro, Prince Goro. Yeah, because he can't be. He can't be. They're all pretty much practical. Like There's obviously some wire work when they use their powers, that CGI. But you get a sense that those actors are there trading blows and kicks and whatever. Um, If you're a fan of the games, it's going to give you everything you want. It's going to give you the iconic lines. You're going to hear finish him. You're going to hear flawless victory. Um, in fact, when I, the scene that led to flawless victory, I actually jumped up from my couch and went, yeah, because it was pretty righteous. It was pretty <laughs> great. Um, everyone's really strong in it. The one person who really stands out is the actor who plays Kano. Um, that is what everyone has said. Because he's just, it's Josh Lawson He's just such gloriously a bastard. He's just awful. And he's not awful to, it's not like he singles out a few, he's awful to everyone. Like he's garbage to every single person in the, in the show, in the movie. And that dude is having the time of his life making this movie. It's pretty damn great. <laughs> um, the weird thing, Louis Tan plays the main character named Cole Young. Mm-hmm. I haven't played the games properly in like eight years. So I was like, who the fuck is Cole Young? I looked him up, not a character in the game. Cole Young was created for the movie. They're saying, well, no, no, he's actually a way, way hidden character. You've never unlocked. Wink, wink. You know. No, he's not. No, he's not. But it's good. Um, Chin I Han plays... I figured that was totally yeah. the thing that they were doing with him, is that he was your introductory character. And it makes sense to do yeah. that, yeah. Uh, and so that way... Like the POV guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he kind of has the chosen one vibe the whole way, mm. kind of thing. Interesting. Um, Chin Han as Shang Tsung, he doesn't get a whole lot to do, but what he does do is pretty badass. Only in that, I'm used to him kind of only playing dudes in suits. Mm-hmm. Usually. Oh man, he is in a full-on like flowing robe. His hair looks great. He's like covered in jewels, and he doesn't do a lot of movement. He just does a lot of like, someone comes at him, he just kind of turns his head, like just dodges, you know, does a lot of like, your soul is mine. It was so good. It was so fun. Um, It knows exactly what it's doing all the way down to there's the moment when they know what you want. And what you want is an iconic fight between two Mortal Kombat characters that you've always seen with a remix of the fucking Mortal Kombat scene. Mm -hmm. Like it's a more 
not techno-y version of dun, 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 dun. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it's the fight. It's the fight. Um, super sets up for a sequel. I can't imagine it doesn't get one. Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it couldn't, no, it could not telegraphic telegraph it any more than it does mm-hmm. well and these days no one makes a franchise film that is not intended to be a series yeah no and they don't even so you know there's no mid-credit or end credit scene there's no need to the last five minutes of the movie is the setup for mortal Kombat 2 it just fucking is oh. um it's a lot of fun it's good if you are a fan of the if you're if you're a mortal Kombat fan you're gonna dig this movie i'm not a fan of the video game but i still planned on watching this movie because i i still love the first one i do too yeah mortal kombat annihilation is pure garbage and garbage never be watched i don't really remember anything about that movie i know i watched it it's garbage it has is that the first one that princess katana no princess katana is in the first one huh yep that was uh talisa soto yeah it's the one where they roll those weird balls through the earth yes that yes. Earth is connected by a series of tubes. Yes. <laughs> they do their own hollow earth theory. Yeah. Wow. And what's his name is um, Shao Kahn. And I love this actor, but he's awful in this. He's the Romulan in Enterprise. The one who's running the the projection ship with the Anar commanding it. That dude. He's been a Klingon. Big chin, big brow. Hmm. If you saw him, you'd recognize him. Oh, are you talking about... Um... Brian something. Yeah. Fuck. The fuck is his name? He was also the in the first season of the X Files, he was the alien agent. The alien bounty hunter dude. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh Norm mentioned something. Uh the woman who plays Sonya Blade is also really good. Which is funny because in the original Mortal Kombat movie, Sonya Blade is my least favorite character, mainly because I don't think that actress who plays her is very good. Mm. None um, of those actors were great. No. The guy who played Liu Kang was really good. Robin Chow? Yeah. yeah. And then that turns into, of course, he never got work again. Um, right. Because, well, if it's not a martial arts movie, why would we hire an Asian male for a lead? Mm. Fucking Jason Scott Lee went through that. I don't think he ever recovered. I think the closest he did is when he played what is that live action jungle book. Yep. Thank you, Bex. Brian Thompson. Brian Thompson, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it helps that a lot of the major fighters in this movie that do a lot of scenes, they're they were either stunt people before or were professional fighters before they did this movie, before they got into acting. So it's fun. Is that true of Makad Brooks? Uh, or did they just hire him because he's fucking huge he's ripped uh he's yeah he's easy on the eyes yes yes he is he's got a he's got a cool part in the movie you know he's jacks he's jacks yeah Yeah. um yeah you only see jacks in the trailer with his jacks arms you don't see him what leads up to jacks arms Mm -hmm. it it ain't pretty um no that's in the red band trailer Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. But he's good in it. And one thing I'll say is he's not, thankfully, oh, God, Jax was in Annihilation, wasn't he? Yes. Oh. I mean, Jax uh, was in the original, but he was Sonya's partner in the her opening sequence, and then we never saw him again. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, he doesn't have any lines that are unfortunately often given to black men in action movies. He has none of that. Like he feels incredibly real. Um, no, it's solid. It's a lot of fun. Like the whole way around. It's a fun movie. It ain't deep, but it's fun. You know, crack your favorite beverage, put on some corn and, you know, watch some Mortal Kombat. I mean, that's kind of, you know, you know. I'm all up for a popcorn movie. That yeah, bloody nice. as bloody as fuck. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah. Okay, yeah. You're, you're not uh, you're not dissuading me from ever no. watching this movie. I was like, oh shit, they're gonna cut that person in half. Oh shit, they did. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, nothing's ever gonna be as bad as Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. So, I don't know. Oh, I... You watched that? I did. You oh, know, like when it came, when it came out. I never watched that one. Neither Don't. did I. Because the first Street Fighter is so bad. It still breaks my heart that that was Raul Julia's last movie. Yeah. Mm. What's, what's funny is that it has a lot of like big actors or at least like well-known actors, but it's just mm-hmm. so bad. Which one? The Chun-Li one or the... The Chun-Li one. Yeah, that was, that, was... Chris... that was a Kristen Crook vehicle. I know, yeah. Kristen Crook plays Chun-Li. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Klein is in it, uh, and his, his his acting is super weird. Um, the guy who plays um, Damien Dark, yes, is in it. He plays Bison. That's probably like the best performance in the whole movie, if memory serves. What is his name? What the fuck know, is his on. name? I'm looking it up it. now. I feel like um, we went through this when we were watching Neil, first Neil McDonough. Thank you. Yes. Oh, sh- Oh, that's right. I forgot, though. But in Japan, I don't believe there is a bison. So he's Vega in the Japanese release. Mm. Oh, my God. It's completely different. So in the Japanese release, he's Vega. Taboo is Balrog. And Michael Clark Duncan is bison. That actually sounds way better than him playing Balrog. So they mm-hmm. swap them out? I guess so. They just... That's how interchangeable the story must have been. <laughs> That's it's not great. Terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> Man. Oh my god, that original Street Fighter is so bad. It is. So bad. Anyway. Yeah, that's but what the, I thought. But the new in the, in the first one, Ming Na Wen, I thought she played Chun Li. I remember thinking, like, at least there was a good Chun Li in the first Street Fighter movie. Like, oh, that's yeah. right. That's because yeah. it was Ming Na Wen. <laughs> yeah. Ming Na has been in a lot of stuff. Like, she is, I've, She's never stopped working. Yeah, I always uh, forget because you see her now. I always forget that she's like what fifty two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just heard an interview with her because she did something recently. She's done a lot of things recently. Yeah, it's true. Well, there, there was one thing that is very very recently, and that was like they kept mentioning. Is it Raya? No. She was not in Raya. No. No. Um, okay. um, all right. I'm not going to remember it. But I don't, yeah, I don't remember either. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, man. She's in the new Gremlins show, Secret of the Mogwai. Gremlins is getting a show? <laughs> yeah, I think an animated one. Speaking of franchises. She so. is the voice of Fong Wing. I don't know who that's going to be, but. Okay. Oh, and she's in the Bad Batch as herself, as, as herself, as Fennec Shand. As herself, <laughs> because if you look on her IMDb, like it. the last like three years, it just says Fennec Shan, Fennec Shan, Fennec Shan. Yeah, because it's back to back. Yeah, yeah. 
it's Mandalorian to the Bad Batch to Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Mm, maybe that's what it was that they were talking about. It's just yeah, so it's all her. Fennec Shand. Yeah. Anyway, Mortal Kombat's fun. Like, check it out. You've got, It'll I think, do. 28 more days before it drops off HBO Max and is theatrical only. So, yeah, cool. it's fun. You're going to dig it. Well, should we roll into some Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. This is the perfect spot to take a break and talk about our sponsors. First up, Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. They are, quite frankly, one of the greatest game stores in the country. The place is just fantastic. No matter what kind of gaming you're into, Guardian Games is going to have it. I mean, I see it all the time, but like miniatures and like collectible card games and non-collectible card games, deck building games, pen and paper RPGs. Um, They even have like escape room in a box which are, those are getting better and better, actually. They're kind of like the new takes on the how to host a mystery dinners or whatever. Um, and they're getting they're getting a lot better. It's kind of hard to do in escape room these days. But uh, I guess if you have a household that has been vaccinated and you can all kind of gather in smart places, this would be a nice place to uh, get to know each other again by using one of those uh, escape the room in a box games and guardian games has them. That's just some of the variety of games you will find at Guardian Games at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. You can also find them online at guardiangames.com or facebook.com forward slash GG Portland, where they are constantly updating every new arrival that comes in or restock, because sometimes games are like gone in an instant. So... They will post restocks there as well. So, yeah, check them out. And when you're in there, you know, say, hey, I heard this on Geek in the City Radio. Thank you for being a longtime sponsor. Those little notes go a long way. Even if you don't end up buying anything that day. If you just say, like, hey, by the way, uh, I really dug the spot on Guardian or on, on Geek in the City this week. So thanks for sponsoring them. It helps out a lot. Just like it helps out our friends over at... Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it is done. Uh, at least for the Disney Plus, it is dumb. Or dumb. It is done. Uh, but if you want more stories, you know, with, with Sam and, and Bucky, you know what? They're in these things called comic books. And those are at Bridge City Comics. So check it out there. You know, also, like... Shang-Chi is coming out, uh, there's the Loki series is coming out, and maybe you're going to want to catch up on some stuff that inspired them. I can hardly recommend, and hopefully Marvel has reprinted it, the uh, the short limited run of Journey into Mystery that was uh, Loki-centered. It was a fantastic, fantastic story arc. And then for a while, he was a member of the Young Avengers when it was a de-aged Loki. So lots of great stories over at Bridge City Comics. We got Black Widow finally coming out. Lots of amazing Black Widow comics, uh, especially the recent ones done by the Suska sisters. That is some some good good shit there to put in your eye holes and read. And you can find it all at Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. And of course, a big old shout out to RevNats of RevNats Hard Cider for uh, the equipment that he lets us use, that he's loaned to us, and that so that the show keeps sounding nice while we record from our separate locations and will likely continue to do so in the foreseeable future. So a big shout out to Rev Nats of Reverend Nats Hard Cider. And before we get back to it, just a quick little reminder, pop on into PDX Asylum. 
this time of year, you know what? You're maybe thinking like it's time to dress up the side yard again because we're not going to be doing a lot of in-home stuff still. They have some some outdoor stuff for you to uh, peruse and enjoy. So uh, say hi to them over on uh, Hawthorne across from the Baghdad. PDX Asylum. Let's get back to the show. I don't know why we paused for so long there. I, I, I don't know. I think we, we always and, wait for the other person to go first. And we liked it. Good night. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, it was a very neatly wrapped package. It was almost too neatly um, to where there were parts where like, eh, did you have to do that? But we can get into that in a minute. Um, yeah, it's the big showdown between the Flag Smashers, uh, Falcon, and Bucky. And things happen. Well, are we, are we spoiling or are we not spoiling? We're spoiling. We, okay. we, we spoiled we've all... the entire series. That's so. yeah. why I was like, well, you're being really vague right now. Um, okay, I think we talked about the fact that we were kind of expecting there to be sort of like a an out. Like you, like you have to, you have to take down the flag smashers, but we don't want to see them killed. So there's going to have to be some sort of a loophole. And sure enough, there was nobody. Nobody killed. None, the good guys, neither neither Bucky nor Sam killed any of the flag smashers. Correct. But um, uh, oh my god, what's her name? Kylie. Carly. 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 Yeah. But Carly does get killed. Um, you know, like it, they, they they the scene is set in a, in such a way that it was probably inevitable. Uh, what's her name? Sharon Agent Carter. Carter. Yeah. Sharon, I'm bad at names today. Sharon Carter was presumably like too injured to physically intervene, so she has to, you know, shoot to save Sam. Right, and I always, I got the impression that she wasn't letting Carly survive this no matter what. Right, and, and we learn it, why. Yeah, and it might actually she might. I mean, I'm sure it sucks to get shot, but I'm sure in her mind she's like, oh, this makes my story so much easier now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only way I could save my friend was to pull the trigger. Right. Uh, yeah. Very. It, 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 you can sell that in a very cut and dry way. Um, yeah. But we we learn at the end there that she had her own personal reasons for for getting rid of Carly in that way, and I fucking knew it. I fucking knew she was the power broker. Yeah. Like I kind of did too, but I'm still not completely sold on it. Like from a story. That that's just me. It, I don't. What don't you? Um, I think her story felt kind of rushed to me, so I never fully bought the why she shifts so quickly to the power broker. Like on paper, I get it, but I think I just would like to have seen. And the show wasn't going to allow, especially how they had to change filming. I would have liked to have seen more of her own internal process of how she got to become the power broker. I can understand that desire, but it's, there was only so many episodes and so much like, you know, yeah. time to tell any story. And it was, this wasn't her show. Yeah. And there's also a good chance that they had intended that like COVID really fucked up their filming mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and essentially they, they make it a reveal, but also at the same time, a bit of a cliffhanger, I think. So mm-hmm. there is the potential that they're planning to tell us more about that in the next movie she's in. Oh, yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. Um, I did find out, I wasn't sure this was true, but it was true. Apparently, one of the major plot threads of the Flag Smashers wasn't just a relocation. 
they were stealing vaccines from a global pandemic so that other countries, other that governments were hoarding. And then COVID hit and Marvel and Disney, the writers were like, eh, we should maybe back away from that a little bit. That's hitting a little too hard right now. And then filming got altered also because of, you know, lockdowns and mm-hmm. um, so that, yeah, that makes We're already sense. going to call out systemic racism. Let's maybe not also <laughs> call out bad vaccine behavior mm-hmm. of wealthier nations. Yeah, because when they were they filming that, because when they were filming initially, it's like, it's like, you know, mid to late 2019. Mm-hmm. So it's not really, you know, for you know, COVID-19 is still just a story that's happening in the Wuhan province. Bare, not even. If yeah. you're talking mid to late, that shit didn't start until December or January. I mean, it overseas. probably started, but China's very good at letting what stories get out, you know. So, yeah, I can get how they're like, well, we need to pivot. We need a little story pivot here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God, though, that would have been... Well, especially the fact that it didn't the sh- the show didn't air until this time, twenty twenty one, where vaccine distribution is a thing and vaccine diplomacy is in the news and you know, transferring AstraZeneca to other countries. There's, oh, I yeah, I almost feel like it's a missed opportunity to like really say something that's only just barely being talked about in the news, at least to my experience. Yeah, but I can get when they initially pulled the plug, there was no vaccine yet. People were just dying. So I could see how them were like, you know what, let's not let's not do this story. It's like how this is a weird thing to like go back on. It's it's like how the, that old show, the show, The Lone Gunman, like they had to quickly alter their original opening, like the first 10 minutes of the movie, because it involves the main character having this dream that everything was fine. And then he saw a plane slam into the World Trade Center and the world was never the same again. They filmed that, that scene. They filmed that scene in like late July 2001. And they're like, oh, OK, let's pull some shit and re- let's shoot that first opening 10 minutes for something else that was uh, a similar reason why they had to pull uh, the movie big trouble because it also involved a bomb and a plane and it was set to release in september that's right and wasn't wasn't the start of the zindi war like really close to that too nope no the Zindi War is Star Trek Enterprise's response to what happened in 2001 because they debuted or they were set to debut that week as was Smallville and both of their debuts right. got delayed. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then it felt very weird because everyone's like, I, uh, do I care about Star Trek right now? It, it's about peace and exploration and, and doing the right thing and all I want to do is into the void. Get revenge was very I much the revenge. attitude. Yeah. Yep. I um I don't I'm not gonna share my feelings on, on that which, particular sentiment, but uh which is interesting because to go back to Falcon and Winter Soldier, that's that's kind of the assumption you get 
especially when they start bringing in um, Walker, that he he doesn't do the full like heel to face turn, but he doesn't. You find out that Walker is not a hundred percent revenge driven in his final moments on the show. Mm-hmm. He's still the more aggressive one. He's still kind of the might makes right. This is what I was born to do. But you know, when it comes down to it, he's going to choose to save innocence and his even tangential, you know, comrades, then get the kill shot. And that's a minor bit of growth for him in the show. I mean, it's it's a very relatable arc. You know, you he's you know, he's essentially a lifelong soldier, a career military, and there's a lot of indoctrination that goes into that, and there's a lot of um not strictly might makes right, but we, we are right. And the reasons we do things justify the things we do. Right. Um, but like any human person and any man or any, let me, I'm going to say that by any person in a very, like, it's the military. It's, it's, it's an entire, it's an environment that sort of relies on the idea that, revenge and force are are the way to get what you get the results you need and and so you know he he for a while there is very very justified in in his aggression and aggressive actions that he takes to to everybody else it's like you're making me do this and then when he suffers consequences it's but i only ever did what you wanted me to do i i am who you wanted me to be right um but deep down inside he he's he was always well-meaning a a lot of people join the military because they think they're they're doing something really good for their society for their communities and and at the end of the day that is reflected in the fact that he does stop what he's doing uh, with violence to instead save lives right yeah and you can really, really see the um, the internal struggle that he had to go through with 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 dealing with his anger and his loss versus you know like wanting to be the good guy, mm-hmm. right? And I think he's now on a path that's going to take him further down the rabbit hole before he finally gets to figure out what it means to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, getting getting less than honorably discharged is not rock bottom. No. And he's still a super person now. Yes. Right. But when he starts doing stuff as U.S. agent and then realizes he's working for Hydra. Right. That's when I'm afraid it's going to take getting someone else killed that he actually cares about. And then he'll, he'll go, Oh my God. Yeah. I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I still think that based on who he is and where they've, who they've hired to play him and where they've put him in the MCU being part of the uh, Captain America and Bucky story, that redemption and healing is still part of, is going to be part of his over, uh, overreaching arc. Yeah. Uh. Character. You said Bucky and redemption and healing, and that reminded me of his last little arc. That was that was really, really good. It was really powerful. 
I think that they made the smart choice of pulling away and not like letting Bucky leave and having him leave the scene and not focusing on the misery and the suffering of, uh, of his friend, because that's, that's a different story. And we still have to care for Bucky at the end of this. Yeah. It yeah, also that, would, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I say it would have been too easy for them to, to cut to a scene where they are still friends or friends again after, after the confession. Mm-hmm. That's sort of an easy out. And I don't think that that's the direction they, they're going with that. Because as Sam pointed out, all he does by doing that is prolong his own misery. Right. He needs to do what he needs to do. He needs to do the hard work and then move on right. so that he can move on, become someone different. And we've been watching Bucky go through these changes of like no longer being like an evil, an agent of evil to a hero for a couple of years now. So mm-hmm. it would be a disservice to to all of that past writing and to, and to the fans to just very quickly sort of symbolize his completion into being a good guy by right. wrapping up, you know, the, the relationship with, with this older man whose son he killed. Quite honestly, I think this show is the first time we've actually seen Bucky be a hero. He was not a hero in Civil War. He was not a hero in Avengers uh, Infinity War or Endgame. He was a soldier in both of those. He was a fighter, yeah. Yes, but he was not a hero. He had not not rejoined the public to be part of it. He was still hiding out in Wakanda. Yeah, and, I think and any motivation a, a that he he had towards helping the Avengers would have been Steve. Mm-hmm. And now that Steve's not there, it's his own motivation. He chose to pursue the the relationship with Sam and and go get into go into business together, so to speak, uh, trying to solve problems in the world. Mm-hmm. Right, and I do think we get some. I think we actually do get a pretty good sense of closure from his list in the scene outside the restaurant when the character of late when he's looking in and the man and the you know the 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 older man is you know drinking sake and he he kind of has a smile you can barely see it not bucky the the older man and the woman uh leah i think was her character's name she notices bucky in the window and kind of smiles and nods at him mm-hmm. and i read into that like He's going to be okay now. Mm-hmm. He's never going to want to ever see you again. But you did give him the closure that he has wanted for 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, he will now be able to actually mourn and move on. Yep. So mm-hmm. he never going to probably forgive you, but he can move on now in that one simple nod. And he kind of nods back. It's the, okay. And then he just walks out. Like that's, that's the best that Bucky can hope for in that situation. And, yeah, and it's, it really it's what it's what his therapist, you know, wanted for him, wanted wanted him to do is like to really real atonement, like doing the right thing is not easy for the person who does it. You you can still lose the relationship by doing the right thing, but it's 
it's what the other person gets, not what you lose that matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But really, yeah. I, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say you are right. Uh, Leah is the waitress's name. Yori is the old man's name. Okay. It was bothering me. I couldn't remember. <laughs> but then I think really like the emotional, the emotional landing of this is, I think is clearly like Sam's speech at the end. It's a long one too. Yeah. It, it, Sam's speech is exactly what telegraphed in the second episode for me. Oh like, yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as the, he, it's like, it was one thing not getting the loan at the bank, but when he brushes off the interaction with the cops in front of uh, Isaiah Bradley's house, it's like, nope, we're getting a speech. This show ends with a speech from Sam as Captain America to the rest of us about how much bullshit this is and how much it is no longer going to stand. Right. And the speech that they wrote for him to give was incredible. Like I, I was expecting it. I don't think I was expecting it to be that good. He, he very diplomatically rips them all a new one and like verbatim is like, do better. This is why this happened. You could have prevented it. You have to fucking care about other people besides your bottom line. Right. I really, really love that element that he put in is like, why are you making decisions about the rest of the world and no one from the rest of the world besides you 12 assholes are in the room? Yeah. I love that he immediately shuts that senator down. He's like, you don't call them terrorists. Like, don't call them that. He's like, what else would I call him? He's like, I don't know. Maybe if someone like was a brought armies to your border and kicked you out of your own country because they had to put other people, like, what would you do? You know, what would they call you? What would they call you? So yeah, I like that. He just shuts that down like immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they like, I appreciate the importance of saying it's like you have the same power as, you know, an angry God or like a, a mad God or an angry teenager. Right. It's like he, he had no problem saying it's like this woman is dead because she believed in her cause that much. She wanted to stop what you were doing that. She laid down her life for that. Mm-hmm. That has to be examined. That has to be looked at and that has to be honored. Yeah. Um, I think the only to me, the only omission in his entire speech is I would have, were I the screenwriter, I would have also put in, I would have let him say the words that all of the flag mashers were saying. It's like, listen to their, listen to their motto. One people, one planet. That's all they want. That's all they've right. been trying to do because that, that would have given validity to that organization to the level that they would have all gone. Wait, he actually is one of us. He's all of us. Right. He is actually speaking for all of us. He's trying to get us all to do better. Okay. Right. Um, also, it's, I think, again, like diplomatically, he basically referred to those, those quote unquote leaders. Uh, they, they, he compared them to Thanos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not it, without actually saying the name. Yeah. He just like straight up drew a, a, a direct parallel, which I thought was like, 
wonderfully insulting. Yeah. Well, that, that, that was that line where he says, you have the same power as mm-hmm. a mad god or an angry teenager. Yeah. The angry teenager being, you know, uh, oh, Carly. Yeah. It's like, he's trying to point out, it's like, they had power. You have the same power. Change the world. Right. And in a weird way, they also kind of had the same goals, but Thanos was willing to kill half of everyone to do it. America and I have been talking about this, and Thanos' end goal is the argument surrounding the reason for eugenics taken to the furthest degree, which yeah. means it's still wrong. Yeah. If if your end goal is no, we we need to depopulate. It's like no, then that's you are wrong. That is right. ethically and morally evil. Yeah. Not only is it morally wrong, but it's logically wrong because even now, like the you know, the, the, I see this a lot these days, and it's a lesson that I'm trying to. To, to cement in my own in my own worldview is like the problem is not how many people we have in the world it's the uneven distribution of wealth and prosperity and resources yes so to say that by deleting 50 percent of any world population is going to make life better for the other 50 who are left is just statistically untrue Mm-hmm. patently untrue because as long as there are people who already have more they will continue to take more and leave those with little or nothing that much worse off mm-hmm. yeah um but i also i think sam's other speech which for me wound up being the more powerful one is the little speech he gives to isaiah at the end when he kind of thinks like, you know, I know you're not totally happy that I that I did this. And I get where you're coming from. I get it. Here's my view. We built this country. We died for this country. So don't you tell me that I can't fight for it to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Isaiah gets it. He's in a weird way. Isaiah is it's hard for him to go back on his ways because of his past. And he get, and he also acknowledges that um, in a weird way. My actually, when I saw that speech in a weird way, my brain went back to star Trek six <laughs> towards the end when Spock says, have you and I grown so old that we can no longer help this equation? Basically have we grown so old, so unmovable that we're not, we're making it worse. Mm-hmm. Should we just get out of the way now? You know, and Isaiah is kind of there, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. And Sam will be the bridge, hopefully, that rebuilds the better system so that Isaiah's grandson doesn't have to live in it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I've, I, think, uh, I think you're right. And I think both speeches what the one that he gave directly to Isaiah and the one that he gave to everyone, both of those speeches were to Isaiah because they were the response to the last question that Isaiah asked him. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then for me, just, it was Niagara Falls when they go to the Captain America exhibit. 
and Sam has the new section has clearly he's had the new one put in. Mm-hmm. You know, no one will never forget you ever again. Yep. No, that was a really nice touch. Yeah, and the unwritten part of that scene is also like that means that the history is out there, the ugliness and everything. Mm-hmm. The pictures are going to show him saving people in Korea because he clearly did the same thing that Steve did in World War II and he got thrown in jail for it. So not only are you going to see like, yay, heroics, but you're going to see like, also they did this to him in this exhibit. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's no going back on that anymore. Um, yeah. Um, Which makes Sam a very different and yet very very much the same Captain America as Steve Rogers was. They are not, yes, they represent the flag and the examples of the United States, but both both of those men are looking past those borders. Yeah. And everything that Sam did throughout the series and then definitely in that final episode cemented him as like no you are the captain america that we actually need right the one for yeah the one we need now Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you're the one that's going to help us move forward right um yeah like i i I squealed a little bit at that first appearance when he flies through the window after the shield comes in and he flies in and he's in the costume it's like i I 100% did not believe that they were going to do as close to a comic or close to an accurate representation of that comic or that costume from the comic that they did. Yeah. It, it just floored me. I'm like, it's I was the same expect- damn costume. Yeah. I was expecting at least blue and white. I was not expecting the whole damn thing. Yeah. It's a really good uh, representation of, of the comic version. Uh, mm-hmm. That being said, I don't like it. <laughs> the headpiece is weird. It's definitely bulky. It's basically on him. covered up to the eyebrows, and I don't really understand why it, he needs like half a cowl. Um, that's tied into the original design of Falcon. Yeah. He has a three quarter cowl that has his head, exp- the top of his head exposed. Yeah. I just don't like aesthetically or like from a design standpoint, I don't get it. It's, it is one of those things, I'm on a different like thread with some comics folks. It is one of those things that doesn't translate quite as well from page to screen. Even if this is the most comic accurate, superhero accurate we've seen yet from, mm-hmm. I mean, any DC or Marvel. Right, which I this, appreciate. I always really appreciate when you, when you like really recreate the look off the page to the screen. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Um, it's, just, it's just weird looking. Another part of it yeah. is even though Anthony Mackie has is clearly in shape, they did beef up that suit a little bit, make him look a little bit bigger. He's also broad shouldered. He is, like, but that they beef that it suit is. I'm not saying it's a padded suit. That's not at all. But oh, they no. did they did this, give it some those bulk. suits. Those super suits are bulky. Period. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. all very like thick material. Yeah. I don't even necessarily think that it's like to make him look more ripped because it doesn't like it's not like the Batman, you know, contoured thing. No, but it does. <laughs> it makes sense from the the story standpoint of like, well, if you're 
if you are, uh, I'm going to guess that the person who made this is Shuri. Um, oh, yeah, yeah probably. Um, I, my hypothesis is that ever since her return from the blip, that she has spent the past six months um, in the background, unbeknownst to the rest of the Avengers, remaking every single one of their uniforms and then infusing it with her own flair and lots of vibranium. I do like that theory. Re- ready to, it's like, man, I I just went out and I got my costume thrashed. Oh, here, why why do you already have this ready? <laughs> Have you met me? <laughs> Although I get the impression that only the wings are vibranium. I'll I'll bet I don't think it has the same level of vibranium that uh, Black Panther's suit has. Right. But I I would imagine or, that it's or, still reinforced so that like short of a an exploding warhead is I mean, not going to make it through that suit. Vibranium or no, any any superhero suit that comes out of Shuri's lab is going to be significantly better than anything we're making domestically. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're not a manufacturing country anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was um, like a really stupid thing to add. <laughs> no, that wasn't. That was a very poignant <laughs> thing to add. And I then think. Norm said the only bad thing was uh, the trash can lid that the U.S. agent was using. Oh, hey, it's not a trash can lid. Um, it looked like a standard steel, riveted. Yeah, it's shield? it's you know it's his own reminder that he he is a he is a facsimile of what he wanted to be, right. um, which is a night which is like ties in very well with the beginning of the series when you know he's like how am i supposed to live up to the original captain america right he did you not can't. Mm. yeah you can't he most certainly did not I, I think it was important even to... sam knows he can't yeah and Sam he's a different trying. one he's not yeah. trying he's a different captain america mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. he's a black man in the stars and stripes and yeah the one thing, another thing that I like, love. We'll keep rambling around. Um, I loved the end title credits mm-hmm. when it said, "You know, Sam and Bucky will be back." Basically, in Captain America and the Winter Soldier, and I was like, "Ah, oh, well played, very well played." Yep. Um, also, I know they will, but I can't wait to get the score of this series. I really like the music to this show. The first three, uh, the the soundtracks of the first three episodes are already up on Spotify. Nice. Well, I'm the, hoping. Um, sorry, Henry, uh, I was going to say Henry Jackman, who, who did the soundtrack, was also the wrote the soundtrack for Captain America: Winter Soldier, which is why thematically it is mm-hmm. very similar. Um, yeah, hopefully, so far Mondo has worked with Marvel with almost every movie and series, and has put out like a gorgeous mm-hmm. one or two album vinyl set. So, waiting on that one. <laughs> did they do one for One Division? No, but it's probably in the process. Both of those shows, I'm guessing, are going to have a pared down release. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably roughly 40 minutes of music per episode. And yeah, a lot of the themes get replayed, but sure, that's a lot. Just like I have the season one and two of Discovery on vinyl. And it's not the complete score. Like the, like the composers pick their favorite tracks 
that still works thematically as an album. And they're like, all right, pick these ones. But if you go to Spotify, so much longer. Same with The Mandalorian. You know, it's probably going to be one or two albums, but it's, you know, it's like, it's seven hours of music or some shit. So, mm-hmm. you know. And always has gorgeous art. You know, that's half the reason why I buy them damn Mondo records. <laughs> Um, you know, they, you, they, they always like make me wish I, I was a record collecting person. Doesn't Christian get records? Yes and no. He has records. He loves record store dives. You know, oh, yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever cool people call that when you that's it. Pour through uh, it's just like going, store. just like going through a great back issues checks and just ah yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> but we don't really own a record player and uh all of the music played in this house is on digital it's true he did tell me one time that he loves his records but he doesn't want to play them because they'll get hurt i guess I'm, I'm sure that's part of it too but mostly he has all of the music in the world at his fingertips and digital you know he prefers digital quality music the quality sure. of digitized music which is weird because he's an old man and you'd think he'd be all about the old thing. Cable's thinking. Uh, I, I have. I, Working. I don't, I don't need to expand on my weird philosophy, so I'm not going to. No, I want to hear it now. What is it? Yeah, you can't just say that and let it go. Not wanting the albums to get hurt. That That's denying the albums to be the thing that they are designed to be. That right. is denying them their purpose. That, like, that is part of the problem that I have with my entire Lego collection. Is most of them are in storage. They don't get to be played with. They don't get to be buildings. They don't get to be what they are designed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's why I'm like, at some point, I will be going through the majority of it, building what I want to build, and then donating it. Because I don't need tens of thousands of Legos. Like, yeah, I, just, I, I just need what I want to be on display and then I, I, I can donate the rest I, of them and then children can actually use them for what they are intended for, which is to be played with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I prefer the idea of like having something because I'm going to use it. Mm. Um, and like not to say that he's like hoarding a bunch of records that he, that don't get touched. I think there's maybe like a dozen that are owned in our home um like particularly specific ones that he really wanted to have um but except for books i i like to own physical copies of books and that's foolish because i well in the last couple years i've converted to digital and okay well now eventually i'm going to have more digital books and physical books and if I decide I want to reread a book off that I own, I'll probably just check it out from the library on digital. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, do I, should I still have the book if I'm not going to physically read my paperback? Hmm. Mm. I, I find books as decoration to be aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, like if I had a wall of good. books... Mm-hmm. It's just it is a it is a look that I enjoy. Me but too. to Cable's point, I haven't bought a Lego set since that haunted house because I have nowhere to put them and I want to display them. Yep. 
I want that space shuttle so bad and I have nowhere I can put it. So I don't get it, but I want it so bad. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so gorgeous. You know, we probably like collectively know a lot of people who are into Lego and it probably wouldn't be difficult to set up some sort of a Lego set exchange system. So you can build the Lego set, take it back apart, pass it on, inherit a different one. Repeat, repeat. Oh, God. I've been really obsessed with my my neighborhood buy nothing group lately. And so I'm just. I don't know. Cable, do you think there'd be a lot lot of jigsaw puzzles? Yeah. Cable, do you think there'd be a lot of Lego people that would even be interested in that? I feel like they are very like, well, no, I I built it. Now I don't want to share it. I think the people that that would be interested in doing that would be children. And yeah. those are the people that I want to give Legos to in the first place. I don't I don't care about giving them to adults because they can buy their own and fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, and they I'll allow it. And we do. It, the older we get, the more mentality that we have of uh, it's mine. I paid for it. I must have it. I have to control it. I must right. I must hoard it. And the more the older I get and the more anti-capitalist I get, the, the harder it is for me to go, why do I have fucking stuff? So I, I don't I don't know. Full disclosure, I still play with my Ghostbusters Firehouse and Haunted House. They they often combat each other. I I play with all of my superheroes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. It's like like I have one shelf that is New York, I have another shelf that is uh, Gotham City. Um, I have a space one going on. Like, yeah. Ooh, you could yeah, do I like, have like the could... most precious image of you guys like fighting your little Lego mm. like figures. Oh, together. I when no one's around, I pretty much just recreate my own episodes of the real Ghostbusters because like I have different, I have like the ghost pirate and I have the witch. I have all these different ghosts from these sets. And like, yeah, the Roman times where I've been like, dun, 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 dun. like I send the Ghostbusters into the haunted house. Oh no, the elevator fell on them. And then the ghost pirates like, ah, I did beat the Ghostbusters. <clears throat> I mean, no, I don't do that. That's childish. I totally do that. It's fun. I play the under, I play the Ghostbusters theme in the background or I put on the haunted mansion ride through. <laughs> if I had a decent camera, I would totally do stop motion of the Ghostbusters versus the haunted house. You don't even need a decent camera to do that. You, you just do use your phone. That's do true. it. Maybe one day I'll just take a week off and all I'll do are little stop motion Lego movies with my Ghostbusters and my, my haunted house. That'd be fun. Um, that means I need the mystery machine because I can be like, oh, look, guest starring the Scooby gang. <laughs> I mean, you can borrow it. and Ooh. I have it. That's true. That'd be fun. Yep. I have it and all the. You know I have all the, I know the I Scooby have it, yeah, Legos because <laughs> we played it. Oh my god, um, that was so fun. It was. So, I, I still tell, when I sell that game to people, I still tell them that the best way to play is to do the voices. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, that. It, yeah. You, and, and you can't lose as long as one of you is playing Scooby. <laughs> so, um... Her, our conversation about like owning physical versus digital copies of stuff. Mm. 
Hisham reminds us that with digital copies, you don't technically own it. You're just licensing it. And depending on the platform practices, it could be taken away, much like iTunes has done to people's music and much to a lot of people's fury. And I'm like, oh, I hate being reminded of that because it's shitty. I I don't appreciate that. I'm like, I gave you my real money, you know, my own, my, in a digital way for a digital product. And if I paid you for it, I should be allowed to keep it. Yeah. Um, That's, but that's probably the reason I, I, I put, like, I still use Amazon for like family to know like what kind of gifts I might want. And it's mostly books and I'll put in the paperback version of whatever book I want. But by the time I actually get around to reading it, because I have so many books, I'll probably just borrow the digital version from the library. Yeah. So I've got these like weirdly pristine books um, <laughs> in my collection. But but if that book ever goes away from a digital platform, I technically do still have it. And I only paid for it the once. Well, someone only paid for it the once. Yeah, that's. That's me with movies. That is why I still I think buy I just physical, broke cable. That is why I still buy physical copies of movies because I have purchased digital copies and have them vanish from the platform I purchased them on because, you know, Warner Brothers or Paramount decided that they didn't want it streaming anymore and they yank it. So I'm sorry, I'm going to be, I have to be frank about the fact that I'm well aware that. Uh, my depression brain has been swing, doing a downswing for probably about the past week and a half, which has altered my perception and how I evaluate things and how I respond to them. And so, so part of a lot of this comes from that. It, it's the fact that all of this is still ephemeral. None of, we don't own any of this. None of this is real. Like the most that we have are the, the, feelings and emotions and memories that any of these things that we interact with evoke and that's what's real to us everything else is not <laughs> that's that is a very very valid argument it's it's not really a matter of whether or not i physically have my own copy of something sure. it's it's what it made me feel but i also <laughs> want to be very clear about the fact that that comes from a very nihilistic versions of my psyche and not necessarily how I truly believe things to be all the time. Right. Because like for me, there are films that to get that feeling back, I will watch over and over again because Mm -hmm. they do things for me. On a digital copy, a company can literally take it away and decide when I get to have that experience again. Mm -hmm. They cannot do that with a physical copy. And I'm sure one day they're going to try to figure out fucking how, but for now they can't. They're, it's not one day, it's now. They're working on it now. Sure, and they're going to because, make it work one day. Because the more that they <clears throat> take away the physical the, and more reliant we are on the digital then... Oh, that, Warner I mean, that, Media has all but admitted that in 10 years they want to remove all physical media of their content. Sure, of course. They're all going to want to do that. Like that that's the direction that they, that's what gives us fucking NFTs. Yeah, that's so which I still struggle to understand. I I I I I I kind of get it. I just still don't see why there is value in that. I think you have to understand why why people think there is value in cryptocurrency. Right, which I 
I only loosely accept to begin with. So. I only loosely accept that there's any value in physical currency. So I sure as hell don't see any value in cryptocurrency. Oh, so it's kind of, that's kind of ironic because I'm I'm a little bit anti-physical cash, mostly mm-hmm. because I used to be a banker and it's disgusting, um, not from any like philosophical standpoint. And so I, I essentially only work harder with digital money and it's that that's technically that's the same idea the only thing is like you know bitcoin is not backed by the the federal reserve right. and dollars are and to be quite honest a global emp makes all of this completely useless you can't eat gold oh i mean if there's a global emp i'm yeah i i have way more <laughs> I way bigger mm-hmm. problems than how much money I used to have in my bank account. Mm-hmm. Careful. These are how preppers are built. I know. I'm aware. Guns still work if there's a global EMP. Sorry. If I grew I... up in a town where I was literally told to stock hold or to store and stockpile uh, <laughs> dried beans, dried rice, mm-hmm. and uh, of all things, 22 ammunition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you can kill almost anything small with the 22 and like it's hard to make if you don't have the right environment it's hard to make like a deer last all winter but you can plug a bunch of rabbits and dry it and chipmunks and squirrels and it's cheap yeah that makes sense oh yeah i was literally taught that 22 ammo could be currency if the shit went south any ammo is currency if shit goes south uh if i trust me if i had ever been like if if my conservative time in my life had ever coincided with the time in my life where I had money to spare, I would absolutely be a prepper. I guarantee it. That's fair. And, and I think the the important philosophy to keep in mind is the counter to that is that the other way to survive is community. Which is why I have you guys. Depending on other people <laughs> and allowing them to depend on you to work together, that eliminates the need for ammunition. It's optimistic. It is not pragmatic, but that's again, that's the lesson that I took away from uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is we need to believe in hope we need to have hope that we can be better and we can do better. And I think we can. It really much was the message. And on a, like, I, that's like the global message, but also they have it on that smaller scale. When you see Sam just start calling up everybody that his parents ever did something good for. And next thing you know, they've like basically solved his sister's problems I mean, not all of the problems, and I'm sure money is still going to be an issue, but that she was able to kind of overcome a particularly large hurdle that her family was experiencing by just reaching out to the community that her family had always been there for. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help in return when you need it. Agreed. Um, Aaron, that was awful. I had to end it. We're getting close to the end. I had to get like a little joke in there. I randomly saw this pop up on a feed. Oh, I saw that this morning. It's <laughs> the worst. Someone, someone Liefeld the Falcon. 
That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to share some quick links real quick on, uh, this will be in the, the chat. Oh, that's right. Some Lego stuff, right? Yep. Uh, which is related to our Lego conversation and to our Marvel conversation. Um, Put that in the chat for everyone else to see what we're all groaning about. Yeah. I just oh, did. Jeez. Sorry. I'm also burying it with Lego links in the oh. other chat. Norm also said, don't forget the flip side where U2 just forced everyone to have, or they Apple forced everyone to have a U2 album on their system. I, I remember was just... that. That was awful. Yeah. I, I just remembered that uh, the other day I, um, I inherited an old iPad and I logged into my <laughs> iTunes account for the first time in a decade. Um, literally like there's only, there's like four podcasts on there, including fun employment radio. <laughs> um, it was before I even knew uh, about geek in the city and um, the dark and yeah, times. I know. Right. It's a sad life. Um, and yeah, I'm like, Oh, there's my iTunes music. These are, these are the bits of music that I ever bought like ever when I had mm. iTunes, which was a very small window of my life. And there it fucking is. U2 album. Yep. <laughs> so the links that I put in the uh, YouTube chat is for, um, one of the, the first one is for the next round of minifigs. Uh, I'm not seeing the link. It's not in our chat. It's in the yeah, YouTube chat. YouTube. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. Um, YouTube. It, do you have it set on top chat? Yeah. Or live chat. Oh, there's a difference. Yes. I didn't know that was a thing. Okay, yes. now I'm in live chat. And, live uh, chat keeps everything. They look the same. I still don't have it. Hmm. Weird. Top chat. Yeah, I've toggled between top chat and live chat, and I don't see any posts from you, Cable. Well, put them in ours too. We can so if they're seeing it, we can see it too. If you don't mind, I think every not everything that I posted, but those things are gone. Weird. I'll bet YouTube removed them anyway. Like, oh, it's an advertisement. Yeah, which is odd because we have Dickie's beer reviews leaving stupid messages in there. Is that what that is? Yep. Hmm. I just saw the one that said cheers and I was like, uh, cheers. No, that's, the, but did you see the username? Dickie's beer review. Right. And I'm assuming that's a YouTube username. I'm assuming. Who knows? I put it in Anyway, the Legos. Yeah, I put it in our chat now. So the first one is that um, they've been talking about another round of collectible minifigures that will be all Marvel. Yay! In the first 10 years. Yep. Um, Instead of doing the... The the list that's out is all 100% rumor. So there's no... There's been nothing confirmed yet. But the rumor is it's going to be um, all based on the Disney Plus shows, which means WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, and What If. Right. So we're going to get... So the rumors are Scarlet Witch, the white version of Vision, Monica Rambeau, Sam Wilson as Captain America, um, Bucky Barnes then Loki and Loki will come with Throg what's a Throg? 
Throg is Frog Thor. Frog Thor. <laughs> oh my god. Um yes. la- Lady Loki. Oh, cool, cool. Captain Britain from What If, which is will be Peggy Carter as Captain America. Zombie Captain America. Um yeah. a, a version of Star Lord that was T'Challa. Which I think of... is the what if one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything from Peggy Carter down is all what if. Oh, okay. It's Spider-Man as Steve Rogers and the Mad Titan Thanos as Gamora. That's or cool. Gamora as Thanos. Interesting. Yep. So awesome. none of that's confirmed yet. So we'll see. The ones that are confirmed are the two sets that they have also released for Shang-Chi. Uh, one of which is called the Escape from the Ten Rings, which is it's a dumb car set. It's got a car and two motorbikes. Um, the important thing is it has four minifigs, which include uh, Wen Wu, who is Tony Liang, um, and Shang-Chi, and Aquafina. Nice. nice. So we get Aquafina, the minifig. Um, I'm, I'm with Bex. Come out with the Agatha minifig. I know. That, who knows? Like again, that is an entirely rumored list, so I can't. Don't I put love, any stock in it. I just love Agatha. I do too, especially uh, in like the in the finale situation. Like that is a look and a half, and I am that look is so it. good. Mm. Uh, but the other Shang-Chi uh, set is called uh, Battle at the Ancient Village, which has um, Shang-Chi, Wenwu, uh, another character, and then Death Dealer, which is going to be great because I like the look of that character. But it also has a buildable dragon, which means there's dragons in Shang-Chi, Ooh. which means the potential for Shang-Chi. Don't say it. To Don't get my hopes up. Fin Fang Foom yes! into the MCU. He's in Moda. Right, right there. It's right there. So I I don't think we're going to, if they do, I don't think he's going to be the purple choni wearing Fin Fang Foom that uh, readers are fond of. But Unless my dragon is wearing purple underwear, he doesn't count. I, I will take all other, you know, I'll take a giant. Uh, green dragon version of Fin Fan Foam. That'll be great. I, I know he's in Modoc because there's a scene in the trailer with Modoc riding Fin Fan Foom. Yeah, and I don't know how in canon Modoc is going. No, it's not. But I still can't wait. But it's not. Um, I for anyone in the chat, if you can't see my uh, links, uh, go to the Brick Fan. Um, I think it's. What is Ooh. it? Thebrickfan.com? Yep, thebrickfan.com, and, and you can check these out. It's one well, of the first, fan sites I go to. That first Shang-Chi set comes with a weapon stand. I'm a sucker for anything that has a weapon stand. Mm-hmm. Just a oh. weird thing. That makes sense. Man. Uh, oh, that's I, a cool-looking dragon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those sets. Like... It's going to be great. Like, uh, I, I love adding more Marvel stuff to my Lego collection. So, well, so thinking, a... of, thinking of Simu, like, as cool as it is to play the character, how's it got to feel like fucking walk into Target and see yourself on a Lego box? Right. Like, that's got to be, that's got to be the feeling. You're like, God damn. He's been, now going, I've made it. <laughs> he's going nuts. He's been going nuts all week about, like, so here are my action figures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Here's mm-hmm. my face on a Lego box. Yeah. And, and thank he's a, I don't know that he's seen the Legos yet, but, uh, but he probably has. Like, he, oh. I would imagine that he has all of the things, but he, he definitely has the action figures. Yeah. Appa is still disappointed in him. Mm, of course. <laughs> I want a Carson Teva action uh, minifig. Also, oh my God, I hope Simu was able to invite the entire cast of Kim's Convenience to the Shang-Chi premiere. That'd be great. I, I mean, other than I, it'd just be cool, you know. I'm still going to be a little pissed if they're not in the movie. All of them? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's some serious fourth wall breaking. Uh, oh, so that takes some doing. It'd be I, great, though. They don't have to be all in the same scene. They can yeah. just, I would sure. just pepper them throughout the movie. Mm, pepper the convenience. Mm-hmm. Uh, peppered convenience. I'm going to make a snack and it's going to be peppered and I'm going to call it peppered convenience. Or if like some character you do like, you during a fight, after a fight scene, some character says, okay, see you and have Shang-Chi go like, mm, nah. And you know, Aquaman's going, what's that? Nah, nothing. <laughs> 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 that might be a little too meta also. But uh, so I, uh, while we've been having this conversation, I, I've had a little pang of regret, you guys. Little I've pang? been, I have pang. Uh, I've been learning about these particular Marvel characters, you know, the ones that are currently part of the MCU for mm-hmm. the last, what, 10, 15 years. Yeah. I, I've known very little about any of them going into their, their cinematic releases. And now I'm like, seen them all multiple times. I've, I've read some of the corresponding comics to like learn these origin stories and, you know, their, their histories. And now we're moving into another phase and it's a whole, it's going to be a whole new batch of characters I've never even heard of. Um, you and most of the people who know yeah. these characters from the MCU. Right. But yeah, not and- most people are currently doing a pop culture podcast where well, we're going to talk well, about it. I don't know fair. that's true either. To be to fair. Be fair. Yeah. There are a lot of comic fans that are aware of Shang-Chi that probably didn't read a lot of Shang-Chi. Because of crossovers and stuff? Yeah, he's he's a cool character, but he's not like... And this is like no disrespect to the character, but he's easily a C-list Marvel character. Mm-hmm. And kind of always has been. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a dig on him. It's just... Like- like he doesn't get big name writers, doesn't hasn't had like a lot of big releases. Or no, and, and his, his history is kind of weird. It all kind of sprung out of the fact that I think Marvel owned Fu Manchu. Yeah, we talked they about this last owned week. The rights, yeah, the rights, Manchu, and, but and, they and then they lost them. Yeah. So I mean, you know, DC has their version too. It's um, what's his name? Richard Dragon. Yeah. I mean, the white guy. Don't know anything about that guy either. Wait, Richard Dragon's? I don't. Is he? Richard Dragon's a redhead. I might be thinking of somebody else. Then you might be. Um, Richard Dragon is a white dude. It might, I might be thinking of somebody else. Then. Yeah, he's the David Carradine to um, Marvel's Shang Chi. I'm so sorry. So anyway, there are a lot of Marvel characters we're going to start seeing. I think in the MCU that you know did not Are- ever have top billing in the comics. Sure. Because you know, they open well, 
you know, they didn't open with A-listers. They fucking opened with Iron Man. And mm-hmm. people forget that when Iron Man came out, he was a mid-range B-list character. Yeah, he was always an Avenger, but the time... I'd, ne- Cap- I'd never heard of him. The, Cap- the time Iron Man came out, what do you think, Cable? Like, the, the most well-known characters about them were, it was Wolverine and Deadpool. Mm-hmm. You know, Captain America was always popular. Iron Man was not a top-tier A-lister for Marvel Comics. Spider-Man has been out. an A-lister Spider-Man, yeah. forever. Yeah. But yeah, Wolverine... Um, hell, even the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and they they can't keep a book to save their life, right? Well, because um, someone's always trying to reimagine the Fantastic Four. It's like stop mm-hmm. doing that. They're just like, they're they're just the fifties nuclear family, and but I don't know. You know you like just you know what? Give, family. Give them give them wacky adventures with like pseudo space magic and science. And what's funny is that I don't even know if it's still in print. I might have gotten canceled, but for a while DC had the Terrifics, which was clearly inspired by Fantastic Four. It was so much better. The Terrifics was so fun. Do you know the backstory on that? The one I'd heard was that Lemire. That was Jeff Lemire. And he pitched FF and they said no. Yes. Yeah. And then he took the same idea to DC and said, yeah, 100% do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why it feels like the Fantastic Four, because it is the Fantastic Four. It's great. <laughs> and I, for me personally, I like the characters and the terrifics more than FF. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. Um, yeah. Denise, I've only, I'm still a newcomer to Shang-Chi's story. Like, and I know about him because of more high profile writers that have been writing him into books. Like, Greg Pak is one of the main reasons why I've been so interested in Shang-Chi. And now he, he they're passing him off to, um, Genuine line, so I just I, I it seemed well, I mean it seemed to me like you guys definitely know who these characters are. Like you can reference Shang Chi and Modok and dragons in purple underwear, and I'm <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I have never. But that's okay. I'm not upset anymore because right. Bex uh, has so kindly reminded me that like for some people, my perspective is relatable. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I shouldn't. I shouldn't necessarily feel bad because I don't already know everything about all of the Marvel characters. Look, There's... when it comes to weird ass characters, you can always count on me knowing them. No one gives a that, shit about Fink. For Fink a fact, yeah. for a fact, you have definitely been the biggest source of obscure comic book shit. Yeah, I've ever known. People are like, "What's one of your dream DC books?" And they think like Justice League or Batman. I'm like the Sea Devils. <laughs> but wait, in it's space, the... in on Europa. They're brought I, out there by the Blackhawks. No, no. I, I thought your dream project at DC was Detective Chimp. Well, they're never going to give me that. The Sea Devils are more likely okay. than... The Sea Devils are more likely than my ultimate team book, which sure. is basically be a version of the Shadow Pack, which that book never lasts more than five issues. And yes, it would involve Detective Chimp. And you Clarion have to have multiple dreams. The dream that you most truly, deeply want in your heart of hearts and then the dream that is not quite as much wanted in your heart of hearts, but seems more feasible. I mean, honestly, neither of them are that feasible. Aww, DC's, DC's like, never going to green light the sea devils. 
Until I found out one day, it was like a year or so ago, that that's one of Ruckus' things he'd want to pitch one day. I'm like, God damn it. They're going to pick his before mine if that happens. The weird thing in my brain. The only other person that I would think that would want to be writing a Sea Devils book is Jeff Parker. Oh, man. Yeah. And you're all a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, you you are a very specific subset of weirdos for what characters you like at both DC and Marvel. Yeah. I think I fell in love with Detective Chimp. It was a detective comics issue where you find out that there's this like, like there's this online BBS of the world's greatest detectives and they all anonymously sign in and try to solve this crime. And in this issue, you find out that uh, Edward Nibbett, the Riddler's on there too. Mm-hmm. And both Batman and Detective Chimp know that it's the Riddler, and they literally feed him false clues just to fuck with him. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, there's a panel where, like, he's private. Detective Chimp is privately messaging Batman. He's like, "Hey, Bruce, you think we're going too far?" There's like three dots. But how? How did you know my name? And he's like, uh, "I'm the world's greatest detective." And he's like, "No, I am." Well, clearly not. <laughs> and then anything he has also i wasn't sure but you know thanks for just confirming it (laughs) sucker (laughs) man it's a chimp who smokes a pipe and or smokes a cigar and dresses up like sherlock holmes i i think that you know batman being bruce wayne is one of the best worst kept secrets in all of i know the dc universe yeah I, I mean, my other more mainstream idea is I want to do a revamp of the Outsiders that are bankrolled by Talia Al Ghul and led by Lady Shiva. And their base is literally like under a secret base under Congress where they just keep an eye on everyone. They're literally the team of fuck around and find out. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd be fine. I like that. <laughs> That's a lab. Yeah, then Marvel, it's White Tiger. They ain't ever going to give me White Tiger. They only revamp White Tiger so they can be killed off five issues later for somebody else's character. Aww. Oh, was that out loud? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Marvel's got like three Mexican heroes and they do their best to kill off the strongest one every chance they get. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of, I I am hoping for Captain America 4 that we we receive we see the return of the Falcon. As yeah. well, Torres. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be great. They, they set it up. They did. Cool. All right. Should we wrap up the show? I think so. Yeah. That sounds good. I'm hungry. Definitely time. Yes. Well, we'll be back next week. Maybe this time I should actually reach out to Greg and Ida about the return of building character. That would be great. That seems like yeah. a good idea. This this week kind of went south with me getting my shot on Monday. That yeah, that that makes sense. But look yeah. at you today. It was so weird. It was, 30, it was 36 hours of like utter muscle and joint pain and the worst headache ever. And then like three hours ago, I was like, wait, I'm not hurting anywhere now. But, okay, I guess it's done. Nice. So, that's nice. It hits everybody differently. Yeah. yeah. I was I was inconvenienced for about eight hours. I'm I sorry. Think, I think I was arguably more miserable after the first one because that felt like a full on flu. So it was all the muscle pain, but also couldn't breathe, fever. Mm. I can say the second shot for me was the worst. 
Mine's in comparison to the first worse. one. Yeah. And the first one didn't bother me at all. So being right. physically inconvenienced for eight hours was, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sorry. Jaren's getting stand, jerks. <laughs> I know. I remember I sent you that message like, well, just stay in bed. And you're like, bitch, I haven't gotten out of bed. <laughs> that not like bitch but like i know <laughs> say it right bitch i otherwise, barely got out of bed otherwise people are gonna think i'm mean to you <laughs> i'm aaron duran <laughs> i'm peter rita and i'm cable hashtani bitch we'll talk to everybody next week bye is that better <laughs> that was fantastic right. it wasn't worse <laughs> oh.